Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Technology and Sports, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the sports status quo with technology that changes how the games are played, managed, and enjoyed. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome. And if you've been listening to Game Changers anytime in the last eight years, you know that's code for I have two special guests today. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place because this is where the best run. We have such a special topic for you today, but I want to level set. The title of this series, of course, is Game Changing Technology in Sports, but we're going to expand the concept of sports to entertainment. Let's just keep it at that. And now I'll tell you what we're talking about today. You really want to stick around for the next hour. <laughs> what a topic. Never did this before on Game Changers and we're excited. Here's the buzz. Listen up. Here's a quote from Starla Sempaco who writes at geekwire.com. She calls herself a host and video producer covering technology. And here's the quote. Cirque du Soleil is known for amazing acrobatics and incredible performers on stage, but the technical gymnastics behind the scenes are just as impressive. That's right. We're talking about Cirque du Soleil today and we're talking about technology and we're talking about something called circus arts. I can't wait to explore that. So let me give you a little background before I introduce my two very, very special guests. We're so thrilled to have them. I'm I'm very excited. Originally composed of just 20 street performers back in 1984. Can you do the math? That's 16. That's like 35 years ago. Cirque du Soleil Entertainment Group has completely reinvented circus arts and become a world leader in live entertainment. The organization has extended its creative approach to entertainment forms. And if you've been to any of their shows, You'll know multimedia productions, immersive experiences, theme parks, and special events. Their core mission is very simple. Listen up. Invoke the imagination, which they always do. Provoke the senses, which they always do. And evoke the emotions of people around the world using innovative technology solutions. And a sidebar, I saw Cirque du Soleil's first original Broadway musical, Paramore, in New York in 2016. A show created with a Broadway musical infused with acrobatic routines. It was exciting. I had third row front seats on the right side and it was just amazing to watch the acrobats and the performers and they were running in right behind our seats onto the stage. It, I, I thought it was thrilling. I was just delighted. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. The marriage, I call it, of circus arts and technology. Welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my very special panelists are. First up in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Frank Helpin, H-E-L-P-I-N if you want to look him up. He is the Senior Director of Innovation at Cirque du Soleil. We're thrilled to have Frank with us. And equally thrilled to have Alicia Rivas, R-I-V-A-S, Senior Director of Global Sponsorships at SAP. And she's got quite an interesting background in history with Cirque du Soleil. We'll find out in a few minutes. So welcome to Frank and Alicia. Very happy to have you here. Frank has sent us a quote from Pina Bausch, B-A-U-S-C-H, a German expressionist choreographer. Her full name was Philippina and nicknamed Pina Bausch, German dancer who with a blend of movement, sound, and prominent stage sets, and with performers during the development of a piece became an influence in the field of modern dance from the 70s on, and her company was Tanz, T-A-N-Z Theater. I won't give you the full German name, which performs internationally. Here is the quote. Dance, dance, otherwise we are lost. Frank Helpin, I love the quote. Welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? 
I'm doing great, thanks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Good. We're delighted. I can't believe we've got the, the Senior Director of Innovation at Cirque du Soleil. I have to do a shout-out to uh, Natasha is listening on the line and, and Ryan Summers at SAP, sponsors of this series, for inviting you. So you have to tell me, dance, dance, otherwise we are lost. How does this quote relate to our topic today, innovation and circus arts? Go ahead, Frank. So I absolutely love that quote. Um, like, I won't pretend to, you know, know exactly what Pina Bausch meant when she, she said that. I know that dance was everything for her. It was her life. But for me, this quote has many layers, and that's why it speaks to me. Um, I guess on, on the first hand, uh, you know, for all the talk about technology, uh, I think it's also important that we don't, um, you know, forget about physicality, the importance of dance, of human, of uh, art, of entertainment. And so, for us at today, technology for technology's sake is not really what we're looking for, because when all you have is a hammer, everything kind of starts looking like a nail. And so, mm-hmm. we're really trying to think, you know, how can we create something for the audience? How can we evoke emotions? And if that goes through technology, then that's what gets us excited. Uh, I also love that quote because I think it, uh, you know, we're, we tend to become sometimes passive or to, you know, be on our devices or whatever. And for me, it's, it's also about taking the time to dance, to play, to have fun, to escape, to live the moment. And that's really important um, in this day and age. And finally, I also think it's, it's a great quote for, for what we're, we'll be discussing today about because I think it's about you have to keep on moving. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you won't keep up. The world, the world is changing so fast. Um, and so, you know, we, you kind of have to adapt and dance and navigate around situations that life throws at you in order to, to reach new heights. Very well done, Frank. I love that. I have to ask you, I was given for my opening the following about the core mission of Cirque du Soleil, which I already mentioned. Invoke the imagination, provoke the senses, and evoke the emotions. This is wonderful. I think it captures everything that that Cirque du Soleil is about, and I love the idea of the Pina Bausch quote, dance, dance, otherwise we are lost. But is there ever a danger, Frank, that technology will mechanicalize everything we're seeing and hearing so that the mission really is to keep it very human on the stage? What's your thought on that? Well, I think that uh, Cirque du Soleil is inherently a company that's uh, all about you know, human and about human performers and and how, you know, those can generate emotions. Now, we're not uh, against technology and our shows are so uh, technological, as you were mentioning uh, earlier. Uh, it's just that it's kind of the lens through which we see the world. And so even nowadays, we're, you know, we're having discussions about uh, multimedia experiences and, you know, could, could we, like, for example, our shows right now, very much a, a lot of humans uh, and then mixed with technology, could we change the percentage? Could we actually have way more technology and less human? And we have to kind of find the balance where we don't lose ourselves as a company. But, uh, again, it's all about, you know, what are we trying to say? What emotions are we trying to make uh, the audience live? And if it serves the purpose of, of reaching those audiences and making them live something they haven't yet, then sure, let's use technology to do that. Thank you very much. So much we're going to be discussing with you. And again, we're just thrilled. Did, have you seen Paramore, by the way? Did you happen to see the Broadway musical? Yes, I what did. did. Uh, so what did you, did you enjoy think? The drone? 
Uh, I, I loved Paramore. Um, I think it was a, a fun, um, a, really a twist because people have a certain expectations of what a Broadway show is. Yes. And Paramore kind of challenged the notion of what a Broadway show was. And there was a different types of human performance. Um, I, I really, really liked it. I enjoyed it. I did and too. Actually right that... now it's uh, moving to Hamburg. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that it's still going on. I love the old school boy meets girl, girl meets boy, boy thinks he's losing girl to other boy, girl finds out who she really loves. The, just the old-fashioned love story behind it with all of the acrobatics and the fabulous bodies and people swinging on acrobatic trapezes above the stage. You can tell I'm, I remember it very, very well. It, it was very exciting. <laughs> Frank, we are so happy to have you here and uh, looking forward to a lot more. But now I need to go around the table one, one seat over to Alicia Rivas, the Senior Director of Global Sponsorships at SAP. And Alicia has sent us a wonderful quote. We love this. It's from Oscar Wilde. Full name, Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Willis Wills Wilde, 1854-1900. Irish poet and playwright. I guess his ancestors have celebrated St. Paddy's Day this past weekend. He became one of London's most popular playwrights in the early 1890s, best remembered for his epigrams and his plays. His novel, the one everybody remembers, is The Picture of Dorian Gray. Very interesting. Um, he produced comedies. He was one of the most successful playwrights of late Victorian London. And he did not have, he met with a very sad, very tragic fate and died at 46. Very, very young and too young. But if you want to know his story, look him up on Wikipedia. Oscar Wilde, W-I-L-D-E. And now I'm going to read the quote Alicia is finally waiting for me to say, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Alicia, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So tell me about this quote. I love it. It pops up a couple times a year on from various panelists on, on many of our shows, and I'm always happy to see it. So how are we relating this to our topic of Cirque du Soleil, circus arts, innovation, and technology? Well, it's ironic that you say that it comes up a couple of times a year, so it's not unique. But the reason why I love it is because it reminds us that everyone is an individual and we need to treat them as such. Um, You know, people connect to arts and entertainment in a personal way and how I feel about an artist, a song, a show, it's radically different than how other people experience it and feel about, you know, the, the, the same artist or song or shows. And so, um, I really love this quote because it's a reminder of how the world is changing from collective experiences to individual ones, and it's how all companies today are approaching the consumer experience. Um, ironically, though, I'm not super familiar with Oscar Wilde, and mm-hmm. I ended up getting this quote on a literally a soapbox that was sent to be sent to me by my stepmom um, 15 years ago, and. When I first created my Facebook profile back in 2006, and like when everyone started moving over to Facebook, um, it was the quote that I put for myself. So it not only touches me as an individual and and how I want to be viewed, but it also is very much applicable to our discussion today and talking about um, the individual and collective experiences that we're trying to provide through arts and technology. 
Thank you, Alicia. And as I look back at the core mission of Cirque du Soleil, which was in my opening and I just discussed with Frank, your co-panelist today, it plays exactly into that, Alicia. Be yourself. Invoke the imagination. What is your imagination as the audience, as the customer, as the one experiencing it? Provoke the senses. Which senses are the experiences of Cirque du Soleil provoking, provoking in each of us, in you, and evoke the emotions? It is a very personal experience, isn't it, Alicia? Absolutely. Um, and you, I talked about Paramore um, earlier today, and I happened to, uh, or earlier, just, just a few minutes ago, and um, I happened to go to the opening night of Paramore, and for me, it was also a very personal experience. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the most perfect mashup of a Broadway show in Cirque, which is exactly what you want to see. Exactly. I, I did mention that I got, I don't know how I got the tickets, but there's the, the very right side of the theater, the Broadway theater, where it's at an angle to the stage. And I was in the third row, which was the back of this section. And the, the side door, a lot of the, the acrobat, I think, you know, the theater, if you, if you saw it in New York, did you, Alicia? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, so the side door where a lot of the performers came in was right behind my seat. So you you felt this whoosh of activity and energy in the theater, and you just turned your head a little bit, and there were costume performers just running up on the stage or doing their acrobatics in the aisle. And that, wow, talk about provoking the senses and evoking the emotions. You just couldn't sit still during that show. So if anybody hasn't seen it, I'd say, Find Paramore somewhere, hopefully in a city coming to you around the world, and just enjoy it. The mashup, you're right, was was wonderful. So now we've had the opening quotes from our two panelists, and now it's time to get to know them a little bit better. So let's go around the table back to Frank Helpin at Cirque du Soleil. And Frank, couple of questions. Number one, where are you calling from today? We just need a city or a country or an ocean or a hemisphere. And number two, what's your favorite drink? Because we talk, well, my main show is called Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I know that everybody has a favorite beverage that powers them, that fuels them, or that relaxes them. So talk about the imagination, the senses, and the emotions. What drink does it for you? It could be anything. I know it's noon here, but it could be an alcoholic beverage. And number three, tell us about your role, how you came to be involved with Cirque, and what you do. So go ahead, Frank. Perfect. So I'm calling actually from uh, Montreal, Canada, at the international headquarters of uh, Cirque du Soleil. So I'm in our innovation lab right now. So uh, it's a good place to be. It's uh, actually it's very dark today, so it's like very quiet. Perfect to have a chat. And um, typically, I'm drinking coffee, but um, every once in a while, I really love to have uh, kombucha, which mm. I don't know why, but like I, I used to absolutely hate it. And my friends kept drinking it, and they were saying about how it's good for you, and I didn't believe it. And eventually, the taste kind of grew on me, and now I jumped on the bandwagon, and I'm actually a fan. And especially uh, here, there's not you know, new brands popping up every now and then. So I love to try out new flavors. What's um, your favorite flavor? Which yeah, one so do you like? Actually, right now I'm having mint and chlorophyll. So <laughs> okay. I've always loved mint, but the chlorophyll... <laughs> Alicia, join me in though. <laughs> what? Come on, Alicia, I hear you. <laughs> I, I was laughing. I was trying not to be too loud, but that doesn't sound very appetizing. <laughs> oh, you can be loud. This is the part of the show where you can be as loud as you want. Mint and but chlorophyll. You know 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the, the taste kind of grows on you. Like, I, I know it's, it's strange. I'm feeling like a plant today, so it's good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, you just plant yourself right there in your seat and you'll be a great guest. Okay, we're just going to let that go. I don't think I'm going to sample that. For anybody who's wondering what kombucha is, it's, um, let me read the recipe here. It's a fermented, slightly alcoholic, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea drink, commonly intended as a functional beverage for its quote-unquote supposed health benefits. Sometimes it's called kombucha tea to distinguish the name from the kombucha culture of bacteria and yeast. It's a symbiotic, symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast called the mushroom or the mother. I'll just leave it at that. Look it up, everyone. K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. Go to the Wikipedia page and just delight yourself. Thank you for those thoughtful drink, Frank. (laughs) How did you come to work? I want the history. How did you come to work for Cirque? What do you do there? And how exciting is your job? (laughs) It's pretty exciting. So I've, you know, I never thought I would actually end up here doing what I'm doing right now. So one of the problem I have, I guess, is that I love absolutely everything. I'm very curious in nature. And so, um, you know, back when I was studying, uh, I started off in computer science, and then I, I, I moved to natural science, and then I got accepted to, in uh, physics at university. And then a few weeks before, um, and you know, joining in, I actually changed my mind and moved to software engineering. I did a year and a half, and then... Again, I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be an engineer. I should be a manager. So I switched over to business school. I started off in accounting, uh, ended up graduating in marketing. And then um, I joined uh, an advertising firm, uh, the biggest here in Canada, Cassette. And I worked a few years in different roles. And always I wanted to try new things. So I started off in media planning, then moved to uh, being account executive and then moved to uh, strategic planning. So kind of doing a, a lot of things on big brands such as Coca-Cola or uh, or uh, the beverage Amarula or um, even uh, Nike over here and McDonald's. So I learned a lot over there. And after a few years, I thought, okay, you know, I want to move to um, more like uh, having like one brand that I would really fall in love with and, and be able to see it from the client side. And here in Quebec, you know, the, the brand that really shines is Cirque du Soleil, and I've always admired what, what they would do. And so at the time, they were looking for um, somebody who uh, had kind of two heads, so, you know, a little bit of research and a little bit of, uh, of brand uh, branding experience. And so I ended up joining uh, in that role. But during my spare time, I kept thinking, oh, my God, I'm so lucky to be here. This is amazing. You know, I love doing brand management and so on. But I kept thinking, you know, there's so many other things we could be doing. And at the time, I thought, hey, we should be doing like other stuff, like a music festival or other Mm -hmm. projects. And so I started working on this on my own, uh, worked on a project. Uh, did a presentation and showed it to a few people. And eventually I got noticed uh, by people from the creative um, team over here. And um, they gave me a shot at a few different projects. And uh, that's how I kind of moved to the creative department and then kind of worked my way uh, into uh, innovation uh, in my current role. Some, uh, it's really exciting job. It's a great company. It's great to be working with you know, talented people from around the world. Um, and seeing how we can uh, amaze audiences uh, also around the world. 
Great. Well, I, th- I think you're succeeding. I'm, I just feel so privileged to be speaking with you because of your role and how you got into the role. It's just amazing. I'm, I'm not going to ask your age, but I'm looking at your, your PR picture here, and you look very young. So you clearly are, are someone who knows what he wants to do, and you are invoking and evoking and provoking. And we have a comment here I have to tell you on Twitter. I'm tweeting live at hashtag SAP Radio, as I do during our live shows, and talking about the core mission of Cirque du Soleil, one of our favorite tweeters, Mohammed Amer at SAP, who goes by the handle at B-I-Z-U-S-E-R. Biz user says, wow, invoke, provoke, evoke, imagination, senses, and emotions. Very well put. Thank you very much, biz user. Uh, Frank, delighted to have you. At, uh, we're very honored that you took time out of your, I'm sure, very, very busy day to join us. And now, before I just froth here with admiration, I want to move on to Alicia Rivas. And Alicia, I'm equally impressed with you. I took the time to look you up on Twitter. May I read your your Twitter profile just before you start with what you... Sure. Okay. So here's what Alicia says about herself. Wanderer, traveler, lover of life, slightly geeky, slightly sporty, 100% addicted to fashion, director of global sponsorships at SAP, all opinions 100% my own. I love that. There's something about how Twitter forces you to crystallize who you want to say you are, Alicia. Don't you appreciate that? You have to say it in so few words and say so much. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It's hard. I'm, I tend to be a little too verbose, so... I think it was perfect. So (laughs) I bet it did. Well, you know what they say. uh, I don't know whether it's Benjamin Franklin or somebody. uh, Abraham Lincoln said, "You know, give me give me a half hour to deliver a speech or to write a couple pages, and I can do it very quickly. Uh, Give me, tell me to write a a couple pages. I can do it very quickly. Ask me to to speak for three minutes, and it's going to take me hours and hours to craft that short amount of speech. So you're absolutely right. So tell us the same three questions, please, Alicia. Where are you calling from today? What's your favorite beverage that powers you, and what do you do? And how did you come to get your role? I want to know a little bit of your history because I know it's fascinating. Please go ahead. So I am currently on a business trip. So I am calling from West Hollywood from a cute little boutique hotel overlooking the Hollywood Hills. I saw the sunrise a few hours ago. Um, My drink of choice and I can't have this all the time, Um, but my drink of choice is a vintage champagne. Um, Mm. During my honeymoon, my husband and I, we actually got married in Paris, but then we also honeymooned in France, and we spent some time in the Champagne region, and I have much deeper appreciation for how champagne is made, and there is such an art to it, which I very much appreciate, so we actually have two um, different bottles of vintage champagne sitting in our fridge waiting for an extra special occasion. One is from a um, new champagne house called Michel Fago, and uh, it's a 1999. And then we have a 2006 Ruinard, which is supposedly the oldest champagne house. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're waiting for two very special occasions to pop those bottles. 
I bet you are. And by the way, I was so intrigued with what you said. I looked up vintage champagne, and there's an article here on Vin, Vine Pair, V-I-N-E-P-A-I-R, I'm sorry, dot com, the difference between vintage and non-vintage champagne. And they say here, uh, sparkling wine could only be identified as champagne with a capital C from the Champagne or Champagne wine region in the northeast of France. Uh, sparkling wines. What's your definition of a vintage champagne? I have some listed here, but I don't want to read the whole article. So what's your definition of vintage champagne? (laughs) So what we learned as we were touring the champagne houses is that it has to be at least 10 years old. So most of the champagnes that you buy in a store, whether it's Vuvuclicot or, um, you know, something else, um, they're aged only three years, which is the minimum amount of um, time that uh, wine has to be aged to become a champagne. Um, So vintage is 10 years or older. Very, very interesting. And in this article, they quote uh, somebody here named Chang. I can't find the... Oh, Belinda Chang, Chicago-based James Beard Award winner and sommelier at large. And she said, aging is the luxury factor. There's a lot of painstaking work, labor, and real estate required to bring those gorgeous bottles of champagne to us. Not only are they sourcing grapes, but the grapes are coming from highly venerated vineyards. Sounds wonderful. And it can only be from a single harvest. I know that only from one year harvest that and the year has to be put on the bottle fascinating alicia i don't think we've ever had anybody talk about that on game changers so now (laughs) tell me how did you come to your role and what do you exactly do well i have had a um, very convoluted um career history um when you look at it on paper it's it's very hard to make the connection so actually um, I started out my career in retail and fashion, um, not necessarily by choice. I graduated university right during the dot-com bust in the early 2000s. And so any job, any industry is very difficult to find something at that time. And all throughout college, I had been um, working in retail and I thought, well, I have a job. I can move into management. This will be fine. And um, during my my eight years at Lane Bryant here in the States, I worked as a uh, new store opening lead, and I would go all over the U.S. and open up um, lots and lots of new stores. I actually became a visual brand merchandiser, so that means that I was mm. at our home office um, designing store sets and um based on what our buyers had purchased for that season. So if you have 200 sweaters, but you have three pairs of pants, you need to figure out how you're going to house those sweaters in a store, but in a very beautiful way to create um, movement from the front to the back of the store and back to the front so that your customers are moving all the way through. Um, And so I did that for a little bit, and I was also a store manager. And at the time when I was a store manager, I had uh, had this amazing customer who used to come into my store on a monthly basis, and she would spend a significant amount of money, um, Mm -hmm. so much so that I knew who she was by name. You know, we were on a first-name basis. um, And she called me up one day, and she's like, my husband's in Europe all the time and I'm so bored and I just need to get out of the house. Can I work for you part-time just to fill my days? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Come in. And she was like, do I need to interview? I was like, you just interviewed. You come in and we'll get you started. Um, 
Um, and so she started working for me. And within the first month or so, she was like, you'd be really good at my husband's company. And I was like, well, okay, well, what does your husband do? And she's like, well, he's in software. It's like, have you met me? Like, I have zero background in com- mm-hmm. computer science. And she's like, no, but you understand customers and you're really good with business process. She's like, trust me, you'd be really good. Uh, so on a whim, I updated my resume. I emailed it to her husband. Long story short, about six months later, I was hired at SAP and her husband was uh, the head of the CRM business at the time at SAP, so uh, customer relationship management software. Oh and my. I started out, yeah, and I started <laughs> out as a product manager, which was pretty technical role, um, I was essentially the liaison between our developers at SAP and our consumer products companies. And so I was thrown in. It was a steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. It was um, fascinating, and I loved it. I loved um, being an expert on, on the product and being able to work firsthand with customers. Um, it, was, it was really phenomenal. And then about four years, four and a half years into my career, I had an opportunity to do a six-month fellowship. And my degree uh, is actually in marketing and PR, and I'd never done anything in marketing and PR. So when I had an opportunity to go do this six-month job rotation in another team, I immediately went to marketing. I said, okay, what can I do? And I looked for the top position, which was essentially to be the chief of staff or our chief marketing officer. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to apply for that one. Probably mm. not going to get that one, and I'll apply for a few others. And lo and behold, I got the position to work directly with our chief marketing officer. So I did that for about a year. And while I was working with him, I told him, I said, you know, I really want to stay in marketing, but I'm not quite sure where I fit. I understand broad strategy and, and all of that, um, you, you know, through working with him. And he said, listen, we're transitioning our sponsorship strategy. And at the time, SAP used to just put a logo um on a golfer's shirt or a hat or a tennis player's shirt or maybe a logo on a car or in a stadium, but there was really no deeper story there. And so he's like, I'd really like for you to join that team. You understand technology because you did that for SAP for so long, you know, go in and help us transition. So now um, we have completely um, changed our approach to how we partner with sports and entertainment organizations and technology is at the heart of what we do. Um, At the time, we were very focused on sports. So we got the sports um, partnerships launched and now that's off and running. And now I get the pleasure of working in the arts, entertainment and media vertical with people like Frank and, and working on our partnership and looking at how technology can be used for Um, both of our benefits. Quite a background. Thank you, Alicia. I was fascinated. I I obviously have your bio, and I just wanted you to tell the story. I think there's a message here beyond our topic today, which is Cirque du Soleil innovating the experience. I think you have innovated the career path experience, Alicia, and Frank has as well, and I think there's a message out there to everybody listening. Don't give up. Don't stop seeking and searching and looking for what your passion is and finding a way to do it. 
as to make a living, but to do it for what you get to do every day and how you contribute to society, to culture, to whatever it is. So I think there's a message with both of you. Let me just briefly introduce myself to the two of you, and then we're going to take a quick break, even though we're already at the half past. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, creator, producer, and host of Game Changers Radio. I am not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, and you know why. So all I'm having is a cool, clear glass of water. I'm based in Durham, North Carolina, in the area of what they call the Research Triangle, and um, enjoying a beautiful day here. It is very cold. The plants and shrubs are starting to bloom, but it was only 34 degrees Fahrenheit this morning, and all I can say is, ooh, so waiting for spring to arrive, which I think is officially tomorrow or the day after, and uh, yes, looking forward to a wonderful summer here in the South. So we're talking today to two really interesting people, Frank Helpin at Cirque du Soleil and Alicia Rivas at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, just 90 seconds. That's it. And when we come back, we're going to do, do a deep dive into Cirque du Soleil, innovating the experience, and talk about technology. Let me just read a little quote here that we're going to discuss with Frank when we come back. Frank, here's a heads up. You say, rapid technological improvements are democratizing every element of the show creation process, lighting and video projections design, costume making, casting, and set design. That's where we're going to kick off the roundtable. So, to our listeners, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you find us. Stick around. 90 seconds. We'll be right back. Aaron out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Game-changing technology and sports brings you stories about how technology is the new MVP. Like the floating sensors on buoys to provide wind and tidal info for sailors, game apps for coaches to make decisions in an instant, and once-in-a-lifetime fan experiences that amaze on site and on mobile devices. Technology is redefining how sports are watched, played, and managed. We'll dive into it all from the field of play to the back offices to learn what's new and what's next in the world of game-changing technology and sports. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing Technology and Sports, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing technology and sports. Exactly, and I think we're talking about game-changing people in careers and in the world. Speaking today with Frank Helpin at Cirque du Soleil and Alicia Rivas at SAP. Very thrilled to have them. Shout out again to Natasha Shook and Ryan Summers. They're both listening. What a great panel. Got to tell you, this is top of the line here. We're talking about Cirque du Soleil and innovation, and I'm looking here with the notes Frank Helpin sent me before the show. And as I mentioned before the break, here's where we're going to start our roundtable. Frank says, ever-improving creative power tools. Rapid technological improvements are democratizing every element of the show creation process. So why don't you take us on a deep dive, Frank, uh, please, into how technology is being used, if you can give us the names of some of these solutions or tools, uh, and, and how Cirque du Soleil is using them. So go ahead. Yeah, perfect. 
I mean, to create a show or a production or an experience, it requires a, a mix of a lot of different um, peoples with very different skill sets. So as you were saying before, you know, there's people who do um, just cr- overall creative direction. There's lighting design, video projections design, um, costumes making, the makeup, accessories, casting, set design. And what we're seeing is that in actually all of those spheres and, and others, um, the technological pace uh, of changes is increasing and there's new solutions that are out there that kind of makes it easier to do things that before would either uh, be highly complex or costly or, you know, not as effective, but that now, you know, can be made easy. So there's different examples I could give. I mean, uh, first mm-hmm. basic example is just think about casting. You know, in the 80s, 90s, uh, we were one of the few companies who could afford to travel the world and, you know, go to Africa to find those really special talents that we would then put on our productions. But now, with <laughs> it's funny to say, but even just tools like YouTube or, uh, you know, people's online portfolios uh, or even shows uh, online um, about, you know, people are awesome or whatnot, there's, uh, it's much easier to find uh, good talent. And so um, it's just one way that, you know, now we, we have even to kind of readjust our casting process. And now we're uh, more into creating a community and having people kind of keep us up to date on what they're doing and, and um, the, the skills that they're developing and so on. So the same can be said uh, with fashion. So, you know, the whole sort of experience is not just about human performance, but it's also about how they look uh, when they're on stage, so the makeup they have, the costumes they have. So um, our costumes, uh, the way we make costumes used to be, you know, like uh, very traditional, I would say, but now we're starting to add more uh, technological solutions, whether it's uh, 3D printing. So, for example, when we have an idea, we can um, typically kind of quickly prototype different elements to see okay, how will a certain costume part uh, work? Uh, is it good or uh, is it interesting enough? And from there, kind of iterate until we build uh, the final uh, version. And so uh, it's kind of reduced the time uh, in between when you have an idea and when you see that idea uh, being materialized. So that time is shrinking uh, ever more. Uh, we're also looking at, um, you know, before... We had ideas about crazy fashion tech costumes, for example, that could be difficult to achieve, but that now, because of the different uh, software we're using, can be made uh, easier. So we worked on different types of dresses. In Luzia, for example, we have a dress that is made of hundreds of beautiful uh, flowers, and the dress is all white, but it blooms into red flowers as the performer is singing. So that's an example of, you know, things that uh, might have been uh, more difficult to produce before, but with some of the tools that we have, is, is becoming easier. And again, same can be said in the way we design our, our sets. So, um, you know, before it would just be kind of detailed plans or whatever, but now we can actually use 3D engines to really uh, visualize the sets we design uh, within a game engine so that we can um, really navigate around and say, okay, you know what, I think the proportions are wrong. This should be made bigger. Let's change the colors. And then we can even put on a VR headset to kind of get the real sense of scale 
and even add in performances to say like, okay, you know what, I think this works or, oh, uh, the view from this seat is not going to be good and things like that. So I could go on and on about different um, skills, but the, the, the bigger picture remains the same is that, you know, whatever the ingredients we need to put in, uh, in our shows and our production, the tools are becoming better. And so we're seeing uh, also a lot, of, a lot of competitors or a lot of other productions or even like restaurants or, or, you know, other types of business that can use those tools to stage amazing experiences for the people who, uh, who come visit them. I could listen to you go on for hours, Frank. This is fascinating. <laughs> Alicia, I, I need to get you to join in on this. Any comments, anything you want to add? Frank's talking about the casting process, the costume design process, the set design, 3D engines, VR headset, visualization. It, it sounds like the game has been changed and it's more fun and more productive and more cost effective, I'm guessing. Alicia, join us. Talk to me. What do you think? I I agree, and we're we're seeing actually the same thing even on the enterprise software side. And I have the pleasure of not working with traditional customers, but working with arts, entertainment, and and media customers. And we're seeing that even SAP's own technology is starting to be used um, to blur the lines to help um, be used as a tool to help facilitate a lot of the things that that Frank was mentioning. I actually had a question for Frank, though, because um, you had mentioned so many different tools that you use. And with um, there being so many resources out there that can help you and a seemingly low barrier to entry, does that, there, does that mean that there's too much clutter? Like, how do you wade through and find the tools that work for you guys? Well, it's true that um, there's uh, so many tools that eventually you can kind of get lost. And so um, we can kind of see it. So, you know, every time we do, a, let's say, an event or an experience, they're their own little kingdom, you know. So we put in different members of teams. Some people work here. Sometimes we take outside conceptors. And then you can see that actually different groups or different productions or different teams have their own um, tools that they prefer. And so we don't really try to impose certain tools on them. Sometimes we also um, let the, the teams make up their own, um, you know, find the, the right solutions for them. So, for example... Um, I know that in terms of set design, uh, there's different softwares that people really, you know, have a favor. So some people really like to work with SolidWorks, whereas others prefer to kind of do something really quick in SketchUp, and then others prefer to use uh, other solutions. Um, there's still people that prefer just the pen and paper and just drawing and making illustrations and going from there. Um, and so each team kind of has to decide how they're going to use it. But then there are things that, um, you know, is really more top-down. And so our costumes department, for example, we have a specific atelier numérique, and so they, they like to test different types of solutions and softwares. And based on that, you know, they kind of iterate and keep abreast because that's the thing with the world of software is that sometimes you can test something and you're like, okay, it's not really what I'm looking for, but then a few weeks or a few months later, and boom, an update is there, and all suddenly now it's more interesting. Thank you very much. Alicia, great question. And Alicia, I want to talk about something from your notes here that is equally important. You say the worlds of technology and entertainment are colliding. We're certainly finding that out with Frank's examples. Then you say the challenge for arts and entertainment is to deliver amazing experiences while incorporating technology to enhance the experience, but not 
overshadow the arts. Can you tell us more about this point of view, please, Alicia? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, even in all of our experiences today, like you go to an amusement park and an RSID bracelet it powers your way through the park. You know, you go to a festival and it's a, it, again, it's a bracelet. You, it's cashless. You don't even have to um, take your credit card or, um, you know, any cash with you. You go to a concert like Coldplay or Taylor Swift and they incorporate flashing bracelets that pulse to the beat of the music. So in mm-hmm. each of these experiences, Technology is being used to enhance it, but, um, and I think Frank had mentioned it earlier, it's not technology for technology's sake, but it's truly to enhance it. And so you have to find that fine line of using technology to create the experience that you want each person to have, but not that it... um, yeah, that it that it takes away from the art that is on stage. You know, if you take a concert and you take your favorite artist, mine happens to be Adele. I'm crazy for her and travel mm-hmm. all over the world for her. Mm. Um, she is so pure in her concerts. You know, there is some technology behind her because you can't go to a concert and not have a little bit of flash. But at the end of the day, it's her on stage. She's not singing. That's she's right. not dancing. Er, er, not, not, not singing. Yes. She's singing, but she's not dancing and moving all around. And, it, and it's the pureness of it, but there is some technology elements to make for beautiful photos because we're all about the gram nowadays, so you have to have the photo and you have to show that you're there and you, and you want to have the videos and those types of things. And so that is probably the most elementary example of going to a concert because she doesn't have a lot of flash. And then mm-hmm. on the flip side, you go to Lady Gaga and she's flying in the all air flash. and yes. she's doing these amazing things. And yet you still get an incredible experience, but for each artist and each experience that they're trying to convey, it's radically different. And so it's finding that, that fine line between how is technology going to give the experience that you want to convey, but not take away from it. Because if Adele did what Lady Gaga did, people would be (laughs) really, really disappointed. On the flip side, if Lady Gaga had a concert like Adele, you know, all of her little monsters would probably be very disappointed as well. So you have to you have to find that fine line based on the experience and, and the individual art that you're trying to convey. Very well put. And Alicia, I'm I'm thinking of Lady Gaga partnering with Tony Bennett and I wanted to go see them in New York a couple of years ago and the ticket if you could even get a ticket, the ticket prices were off the charts and she became a different brand, a different Gaga brand, didn't she? Very sophisticated, very sleek, uh, no crazy uh, meat dresses and, and, and no glitter and no, no baubles. And she was just in a, in a sleek, elegant dress complementing the Tony Bennett brand. So I think she has found a way to rebrand herself for different venues. And I've also seen Adele on TV where she was off-key because her earpiece wasn't working or something and she apologized to the audience because she knew she had missed something in the song. That human quality of Adele, I think, Alicia, is what endears her to us. She talks about her life and about what she's doing, and I, I think that's that's some of the brand the brand promise of Adele is you're going to get a real person on the stage. I agree with you on that. Uh, I want to bring Frank back into this. Frank, how does Cirque du Soleil balance exactly what we're talking about with Alicia? How do you balance the technology to enhance the experience but not overshadow the art? I think it's a really, really fine point Alicia has made here, and I'd love to hear you elaborate on that if you could share some of your decision making with us Frank yeah so um, 
we really try to um, balance it well because, you know, we've, we have a lot of productions right now around the world and in a lot of those, you know, the, the, the stages, the sets, like everything is super technological, but then when we speak with people, we see that sometimes it's actually not that that people love, but it's sometimes the center moments. So, for example, in Ka in Las Vegas, um, there's a, a moment and, you know, the stage over there is absolutely breathtaking. It can move, it can become vertical, it's on a, a kind of a mechanical arm, it's stunning. But one of the moments that people love the most is when we do a shadow play and so there's um, just like one or two perfect, uh, people on stage just with one light and playing with shadows in their hands. And so sometimes uh, it's not really uh, all about technology. It's the, the simpler thing that people want. And I think um, the world is becoming so digital and so, um, you know, virtual that uh, people are kind of drawn back to um, things that are more physical and simple and human. And so we always try to balance those. Now, technology is really important because at the same time, people want to be um, surprised. They want us to show them unexpected things. And so we don't shy away um, from technology because we, mm-hmm. we do need it to kind of uh, surprise people and, and bring those uh, new types of effects. So, for example, just, you know, the past few weeks we were playing over here with, with saying, okay, so, you know, makeups have traditionally kind of stayed the same or, you know, the design changed, but the actual makeup is pretty much similar. So we thought, okay, can we actually make makeup electronic? You know, is, mm. are there ways that we could use um, you know, different type of, uh, of, I don't know, like even putting LEDs directly on the skin and, you know, playing with light effects. Uh, could we um, create, I don't know, use a special type of space so that if we shine a laser on the, the skin, it kind of highlights the lines and then we can create the makeup with the laser. Um, so we're exploring different things so that we can, um, you know, still keep the human aspect, but kind of use technology to enhance uh, in unusual, unexpected ways, um, what people see uh, on stage. Thank you, Frank. Do some of these ideas come from the performers themselves? Would somebody come to you, perhaps a trapeze artist or or a tumbler or, or uh, I don't know, somebody doing something on stage and say, uh, hey, Frank Helpin, uh, I have this idea for a new way to create digital makeup on my face or a body art, or can we do this with my costume? Where, where did these ideas come from? Yeah, so actually uh, it does come uh, oftentimes from performer or people outside. Um, you know, us as an organization, we're moving toward more of an open innovation model where, you know, we're kind of open to the fact that ideas might not come directly from the creative team, so they might come from anyone in the organization. And similarly, those ideas might not even come from staff. Sometimes they're brought by, um, you know, people who would like to work with us or or from outside, so we're really open to um, different ways of collaborating. And so one of the things we do in our innovation lab is also try to create those workshops or, you know, those, um, we do, uh, we did like recently a, an ideathon, which is kind of our version of a hackathon where we ask uh, our employees, which are not part of the creative team, to uh, come up with ideas for um, a problem we gave them. And so sometimes it's just... Um, you know, novel solutions come from unexpected places, and we welcome that. I had a feeling. I'm glad I asked that. You know what? 
We are in the crystal ball predictions round of the show, so I'm going to start with you, Frank. We have four minutes left, so I'm going to give you each about 90 seconds, and that'll slice it and dice it just about perfectly to end where we need to end. So, Frank Halpin at Cirque du Soleil, give me a prediction, please. What's going to change, if anything, on this trajectory of circus arts plus technology, but always paying attention to the experience for the customer and, and for the performers? Frank, predictions, 90 seconds, go. Well, I think that entertainment companies will become um, even more closer to technology companies because technology is permeating everything we're doing and um, you're going to see a lot of different things like uh, animatronics and artificial intelligence um, and, um, you know, different solutions of personalization uh, that are going to enable really immersive interactions with the crowd. And so um, right now I think that... uh, the various entertainment companies are kind of gearing up for that change, but not there yet. But you're going to see uh, exciting new products uh, and experiences over the next, um, I would say, two to five years in that industry that are going to enable uh, never-seen-before um, social uh, and interactive experiences in the world of art and entertainment. So I think uh, people should look out for that. Thank you very much. That's exciting. Alicia Rivas, ready for your prediction. I've got 90 seconds. That's it for you. Go ahead. All right. Well, I think I think Frank is absolutely right. I think we're going to see there's going to be a, a stronger handhold between uh, the arts and technology. I think it's going to become a more embedded part of the experience. What Frank touched on earlier, though, and we really didn't dive into it very much at that time, is I think we're going to see the pendulum swing, though. I think we're going to see deeper human connection. Um, I just heard the results of the survey that the number one word that people describe right now in today's digital age is loneliness. And I think Mm. we're going to see that with technology and arts, that we're going to see this swing back to human connection. And I think that's why organizations like Cirque are so critical um, as we're trying to reconnect human to human, because at the heart of who they are, um, humans are at the middle and it's human talent and it's the human experience. And so while technology and arts are, I, I think, just, they they are, I think, going to almost become synonymous in how they are delivered or symbiotic in how they're delivered, um, that human connection is going to be key. And I think we'll see that. Thank you very much. And I'm going to give the almost last word to our at biz user, Mohammed Amr at SAP. And he says, it's about enriching the experience without violating the essence and beauty of the human spectacle. And I'm going to add the human spirit. Alicia, I think we could go with that, right? For our, our closing. Thank you very much. I want to thank both of you. A special shout out again to Ryan Summers for putting together. Ryan, I know you're listening to this spectacular panel. Just keep it up. This is what people want. They want exciting topics and well-versed, very creative and very savvy speakers on these shows. And that makes what makes Game Changers Radio so popular around the world. So I want to also thank our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, K-E-L-L-A-R, at the Business Channel World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. 
Fasten your seatbelt, even if you're not on the high wire or the trapeze. Just fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Frank Helpin at Cirque du Soleil, just like Alicia Rivas at SAP, and just be yourself. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Is what is it? It's the first day of spring, I think. It's March 20th tomorrow and 2019, and we'll be back with Coffee Break with Game Changers talking about here, H-E-A-R-N now audio video how do you reach your customers and your prospects what is going on with technology and that outreach that's so important have a great day bye bye thanks again for tuning in to game changing technology and sports presented by sap the best run sap Subscribe to Game Changing Technology and Sports on iTunes and catch up on previous episodes. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.